0: Game time with Boomer Esiason. This week's guest is the reigning NBA blocks king for the Indiana Pacers and former McDonald's All-American, Miles Turner. Today's guest once said, basketball was just something I did because people told me to since I was tall. It wasn't my primary interest by any means. I was always really into my academics. As for playing in the NBA, which he does now for the Indiana Pacers, he claimed, I never thought I'd be strong enough. I love watching the NBA, but I never thought to actually be able to do it one day. It's my pleasure to welcome Miles Turner. Miles, great to see you, my man. And uh, as a Knicks fan, i got to tell you, you've been driving me nuts for the last few years.
1: What's up, Bowman? Man, I appreciate you having me on. All
0: right, so you know you're kind of a renaissance man. You're 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 a different sort of cat. And uh, one of the things I read about you is you have this passion for assembling giant puzzles, and you work with Lego creations and things of that nature. Uh, mm-hmm. What 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 got you interested in all of that?
1: Um, so it was like a bonding experience for me and my dad when I was younger. You know, every kid puts together Legos, but that was like one of the things that we. Uh, that we did like every Sunday, we would put together like, different sets and whatnot. And it's something that is kind of just carried over into my professional career for whatever reason. I'm right in the middle of putting together uh, the what's called the Titanic right now, nine thousand pieces, and um, you know it's, it's a challenge, but it's a lot of fun for me, man. It just helps uh, me calm the mind after the games and whatnot.
0: How long does something like that take?
1: Man, something like that would probably take me if I did it straight through, easy a month or so. Um, but you know I break it up here and there. Sometimes we're home, sometimes we're on the road. So you know it's just some little project for myself.
0: I know you're a Mavericks fan. I know that, and I know that your coach right now is Rick Carlisle, and he was the Mavericks coach when they won a championship with Dirk Nowitzki. What's that like playing for him?
1: You know, it's pretty surreal. You know, I remember watching those series with him in the heat. It's nothing me and my dad did together, as well as watch those championship series. And um, you know, him being here now, you know, I've learned a lot from him so far, and uh, his philosophies. Uh, it's different than the coach I've had in the past. So, you know, it's been interesting to just kind of be on this tutelage and uh, learn from him in these past, we're uh, really just, just um, beginning of the season.
0: You know, it's amazing. You're 25 years old and you've already been in the NBA seven years. You've had four head coaches. You mm-hmm. signed a new contract. I mean, it's like a blur, I would imagine, for you because of all the uncertainty that's been around you since you've been a pro.
1: You know, you, you said a lot without saying a lot right there. you got to be a pro. And that's what it's all about, man. I learned that um, at a very early stage, you know, my head, my first head coach, Frank Vogel, you know, he was fired after my first season. And, um, you know, I created a bond with him, was able to, you know, uh, you know, learn from him like right away and actually out there and play in a sense. And he was gone just like that. And, um, and I was taught early, you know, that's the business at the end of the day. And that's how I handle myself as such.
0: Can you believe that you're the longest tenured pacer at the age of 25?
1: I cannot, <laughs> I cannot whatsoever. You know, it's funny. I've been been a long center pace the past two, three years now, and it's funny to say that it just doesn't really have a doesn't really have a ring to it. But it is what it is, I guess. You know.
0: You know, you led the league in block shots last year. How is it that you're not on first team All Defensive NBA team or the second team for that matter?
1: Oh boy, if I had a if I had a if I had a quarter of every time I got asked that question, man, I think it's just I think it's absurd, personally. Uh, all I can do is campaign for myself, and put the numbers up. Um, you know, everybody talks about us being in a small market and, you know, us being um, not having the viewership that we should have. So people don't see me play as such. But um, all I can do is all I can do. You know, I'm continuing to keep on improving year in the year out that I'm capable of being on them teams and, uh, um, and I, that I should be on those teams. And I'm going to keep doing it again this year. So you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to continue to have fun with it.
0: How do you describe what position you play in the NBA? Because when I grew up, it was a center, it was two forwards, and there were two guards. I don't know what a four, a five, a stretch four is anymore. You're all over the court. I don't know what to make of you. How do you describe yourself?
1: I'm a basketball player, man. I'm a hooper. Ain't no no position to it. I just feel like um, growing up, uh, there's another thing, you know, shout out to my dad as well. You know, coaches were trying to have me just be a back-to-the-basket player, just jump hooks and, up and unders, and whatnot. After every single practice, he'd have me work on my ball handling, had me work on my shooting, and it's something that's helped me thrive to this day. So uh, we play a lot of positionless basketball in the NBA nowadays, and you know that's the you know to be the cream of the crop, you got to be able to do everything. And I kind of pride myself on be able to do uh, to do such. So I'm a hooper, man.
0: Who's the t- who's the toughest guy you got to go against when you when you see them on your schedule and you know he's going to be there? Who's the guy that you most dread playing against?
1: I was a couple guys, man. I wouldn't say I dread it. I take I take a lot of pride in my defense. I actually enjoy going up against some of the best. But some of the guys that you know, um, when you look at the schedule that you know come to mind, obviously it's like the Joel Embiid's, uh, the Nikola Jokic's. Uh, you know, Demarcus Cousins was someone I struggled with when my first got into the league. You know, he's back in the league. Just some of the bigger guys, some of the bigger, the higher profile guys in the league are the ones that um, you know make you have to make a game plan for them. But I take a lot of pride in it. You know, I look forward to those uh, those matchups.
0: We're just getting warmed up with Miles Turner. Stay with us as game time continues right after this. Welcome back to Game Time. Miles Turner grew up in Bedford, Texas, as he said, which is between Dallas and Fort Worth, according to Turner. As I grew up, I watched my mom and saw what she had to do to fight for everything she's ever gotten. I got all my spirit, fire, and passion for the game and for life from that woman. Meantime, Turner's dad claims, I think I gave all my height that I was supposed to give to my son. So how big is your dad?
1: So my dad is, he's about 6'3", 6'4". Um, he said 6'5", but, I, you know, he's starting to shrink a little bit in, in, his, in his older days. Um, So my dad was actually supposed to be a bit taller. You know, he played he played a little bit of football uh, growing up. He was playing with his brother, and he actually snapped his femur. Um, so they had to stop the growth in his leg. And, you know, my, my grandfather, his pops was about 6'5", six 6'6", six six, and I think he was supposed to be about that height. I don't know where seven feet came from. Um, <laughs> you know, my sister, you know, she's 19 years old, and she's 6'2". So good genetics is out there. I just don't know where they came from.
0: <laughs> your mom means everything to you, and you learned a lot about your mom, and you learned how hard she had to work for everything she got in her life. Um, tell me about the relationship that you have with her.
1: She's my mother, of course, you know, first and foremost. But you know, she was one who really drew, like drove me, you know, to get here, to get this position. My father takes care of everything on the court and whatnot, but you know, she really built my mindset. She really built like the way like I view the world in a sense, and. That's something that I think a lot of, especially teenagers, take for granted. I couldn't appreciate it, you know, at the time when I was growing up. But now, um, you know, you know, being an adult, being a grown man, you know, like she's she's the reason I'm at where I'm at today.
0: Is it true that she wouldn't let you keep a competition trophy?
1: No. What <laughs> I remember the exact moment we were um, <clears throat> we had lost in the uh, the championship game. Um, in um, I don't know, it was probably like fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. And we were all at McDonald's celebrating, and the coach was giving out the participation trophies. And in front of the entire team, she took my trophy and threw it in the trash. And I was like, I was, I was, I was pissed off. I was like, Mom, this, is, but I earned this. This is that. She goes, Nah, we don't do second place in this house. And obviously, at the time, you know, I'm, I'm, wow. I'm upset. But that was a part of the grooming process and building the mindset that we don't, we don't settle for mediocrity. You know, we don't, we don't settle for anything less than the best. And you know, I'm gonna do the same thing. You know, with my kids. I'm gonna do the same thing. You know, with my wherever, wherever uh, you know, um, uh, my athletes are when I start coaching, whatnot. Like it's just a, it was a very real thing, and I'm glad she did that.
0: Is it true? Because I I couldn't find this anywhere, but I did read about it, and I don't know where I found it, but it's just one of these really interesting things about you, that in high school you went from a size 14 shoe to a size 17 shoe in two weeks.
1: Yeah, so come on, how does that insane. happen? So, you're close. It was so I was actually a, <laughs> I was a size 15. Huh? And my cousin had just took me to go get the the, the new LeBron James shoes that just came out and they had those last one in my size. We went to um went to the Nike outlet store, they were size 15. And I remember I tried to wear them to practice a couple of weeks later and they they were hurting. And I went back home. I was like, mom, like these shoes don't fit. She was like, she was mad. She was like, why would you have your cousin? get you these shoes. I know they're nice looking shoes and whatnot. Why would you have your cousin? get you these shoes. And they don't fit. I said, mom, I promise you they fit. Like when I went to go, when I went to go buy them. So we went back to that same exact store and, uh, and the, and the bro had measured my feet and I was a size 18. He says, yo son, I'm not telling you, you're a size 18. I'm 15 years old. So I hadn't grown in my body yet. And I didn't know what to think of it. I was like, I didn't have any we didn't know we didn't know where to get size 18 shoes so we just had to uh I had to make the 15s work while I could until we finally uh, found some shoes and you know um, I had to give a shout out to Chris Bosch, man. he actually um he gave me some shoes back when I was in high school and uh, it was the only way I really made it through until I started playing on the uh, you know the, the sneaker circuits and whatnot
0: oh man 15 to 18 14 to 17 I, that's just a normal thing I guess that happens to everybody all right we'll return with miles turner right after these messages that is a great story Brought to you by the Ford Bronco Sport. Built Ford Tough. It's time for a change. Instead of working from home, work from your luxury suite at Midtown Manhattan's crown jewel, the Kimberly Hotel. Now offering special monthly rates with the most impeccable safety and hygiene protocols to keep you safe. As expected of someone with his basketball gifts, Miles Turner was one and done at the University of Texas. Indiana selected Turner with the 11th overall pick in the 2015 NBA Draft. You know, the night of the NBA Draft, your mom, once again, is a central figure. And I read where she packed the green room with snacks for everybody. Is that true?
1: That sounds like her, man. Uh, it is very true. You know, anytime we had a you know a big basketball game or AU trip, she would always look out for everybody around because you know she knew that some kids weren't as fortunate. Some kids may not. This might be the best meal they have all day, you know, in a sense. And that's just the mindset, and the approach that she took, and that she's that she's always had. Just how she was raised, and um, it trickled down to you know obviously how I am today myself.
0: Hey, you. Uh, you selected to go to Texas. You are a one and done player. You started seven games at Texas. Did you enjoy your time at Austin?
1: I loved Austin, man. I actually I live there to this day. I I, I love the city itself. I love the university. Um, you know, they say what starts here, what starts there changes the world, and I think that's a very real thing. It's a uh, anywhere I go, like everybody knows what this sign right here means. Like it's just a, it's one of those things where I'm glad I went because of the relationships that I built outside of basketball. You know, you never know who you could be sitting next to the, you could be sitting next to the next Steve Jobs, and in, in one of your classrooms you would never know it, and uh, that's one thing I really appreciated about my time there at Texas.
0: Do you think you'll ever go back and get your? I think you're in psych- psychology, right? Did, weren't you majoring in psychology?
1: I was in psychology. Yeah, you know, it's I get that question a lot, and you, you have to realize I spent six months there and I got half a credit. <laughs> so. <laughs> If I were to go back, I definitely have a lot of ground to make up. Um, it's not something that's out of the realm of possibility for myself. Because, you know, it's always great to have that piece of paper. And I obviously encourage a lot of the kids that I work with to do the same exact thing.
0: Just talking to you, you sound like you're like a renaissance guy. Like you're a different type of cat. You like to do puzzles. You like to be challenged mentally. You know, I think there's more for you to be, you know, out there for you.
1: I think there is, too, man. Basketball has been a great avenue for myself and uh, it's it's set me up. It's It's got me indoors that I never thought I'd be able to get into. It's, it's taken me all all around the world. Um, it's a great tool. And that's that's kind of how I view basketball itself. You know, something I love growing up and I use it as a tool uh, just to set myself up for anything I want to do. You know, I'm not I'm not even sure what that is outside of basketball yet. But, um, you know, you said it. You said it. I like challenging myself.
0: Uh, one of your first great moments in, in the NBA as a rookie, was when you blocked LeBron's shot. Uh, I'm just wondering what that must have felt like for a 19-year-old, and did he say anything to you?
1: Um, yeah, that was a crazy moment for myself. I guess that was my first, you know, quote-unquote viral moment, and it wasn't a shot. It was a dunk. He was definitely trying to dunk on me, <laughs> and uh, in my head, I said, listen, I'm going to end up on Sports Center one way or the other. Either he's going to punch this on my head, or I'm about to block this, and I think that's where a lot of it started from himself. You know, being a shot blocker in this league you can't have any fear. And, uh, that's just all it was for me. It just went out, went out, went went all out for it with all the effort I had and, uh, ended up on the right side of things.
0: All right. We'll be back in a moment for more with Miles Turner. <laughs> Welcome back everyone. As we continue with Miles Turner, as Turner began his second year with Indiana, then head of basketball operations, the great Larry Bird said, you forget the fact that he's a young man playing in a men's league. His body is not mature for where it's going to be in a couple of years. Bird also added for what we did to him and just throw him out there and say, good luck. He's done remarkable. So what was it like being with Larry Bird and what did you learn from him, Miles?
1: It's such an intimidating presence to him, you know, there's, there's his aura in a sense. He's, he's like the best dude in the world. Great, great to talk to. But like people forget how big he is, he's like 6'10", and just like just kind of towers. And I didn't really know what to think of it. I was actually, I was scared. <laughs> I was like, man, this is, this is, you're walking in front of greatness, man. since you're playing in front of greatness every single day, and, you know, he had the he was the one who drafted me. He had the nod to draft me. So, you know, with that being said, it's something I can always take to the grave with me in a sense. But it's also one of those things where all the pressure was there. And, you know, I was able to perform at a high level. Um, I got off to a rocky start because I actually broke my thumb that year, and I missed half the season, so I didn't know what to expect. But once I got back out there, you know, I hit the ground running. And the best thing for me was to be thrown in the fire. You know, there was no go to the G League and develop. There was no sit out of games and learn. They literally threw me out there and, um, you know, through me some wolves, and I came back.
0: You know, he also said you had a chance to be one of the best players in franchise history. I'm just wondering, how does a 19 to 20 year old at that time stay grounded when somebody like that says those nicer things about you?
1: I have a great circle around me. They were able to keep me grounded. It's like, yeah, he may have said that, but you said I go out there and prove it night in and night out. Yeah, you might have had 20 last night. Why didn't you have 21? Like, that's just kind of like mentality I have around me. And uh, that's kind of what kept me
0: grounded. When the Pacers come to you and your agent and say, we want to give you an extension for 72 million million four four years. I mean, what was like? What was it like signing that piece of paper and that contract?
1: This is my first time really having the whole free agency thing come into play, and I wanted to be here in Indy. You know, I've I really enjoyed my first couple of years here. I've always been, you know, loyalty is something that is something that was runs through my blood, and something that's uh, was very was preached to me heavily, you know, growing up in a sense. And um, I had. You know, I, I could have waited it out and signed for more money and in, in other in a, with other franchises and other places, and I had plenty of people telling me to do that too. You know, just wait it out. You're gonna get hundred million dollars, this, this, and that. But I wanted to be here in Indy, and that once I signed my name on that paper, you know, and you know, put it in ink, I was, you know, I, I actually cried tears of joy that night. It was crazy. I was, I was, I was back home, my family, you know, my um, my little sister called and whatnot, and. Uh, I just remember just crying for no reason. It was, it was the craziest thing. I was just so happy and all the work I had put in my entire life. It just kind of all hit me in that one moment. You know, So it was, uh, it was unbelievable.
0: Came full circle. You know, the interesting thing about you, Miles, you're, you know, 25 years old. You're a seven-year NBA veteran. And you've been through everything now with the NBA, through the COVID bubble, through uh, all the social media stuff that's going on these days. I mean, how do you balance all of that? And do you really focus in on social media at your age?
1: You know, social media is one of those things I've had a, you know, love-hate relationship with. Um, When I first came into the league, uh, I wasn't like a, a high profile guy on social media. I, I didn't have a million followers coming into the league. I um, I kept a lot of what I did like on the low because that's kind of how I liked it. Yeah. Um, but obviously, as my profile grew, as I started playing, you know, we had more and more eyes on you, more and more speculation. And my first, you know, two, two years, I would probably say like I was that guy that would search my name up after every single game and see what people were saying about me, whether it was good or bad. And. Uh, I just wanted to, you, you know you want to be liked, especially when you're 18, 19, you know, 20 years old. Everybody wants to be liked in a sense, right? And then it got to a point where it got really toxic for me. I actually i, I deleted my you know uh, my social my social media for half of the season. I didn't want to talk to anybody because there was just a lot of negative stuff going on. But now I finally learned, and I got a healthy relationship with it. You know, I <laughs> it, it didn't really start hitting me until probably like two summers ago. Like I'm in I'm in a trade rumor. Every single day, I finally just learned to laugh at it, man. When people are cussing me out, sending me death threats, racial stuff, like it's just like, bro, like, you know how many people wish they were doing what I was doing right now? Like, like, what what is there for me to? This is the worst part of my day that I have to see what somebody's saying about me. then I'm living a pretty damn good life, so I've just learned to laugh it off and just uh, take for what it is.
0: Good. You know, you are living a great life, and I'm starting a rumor that we're trying to trade for you here at New York. I'd love to see you in a New York Nick, uniform. All right, we'll be back for Crunch Time Drill with Miles Turner right after this. Drive into Manhattan for an unforgettable staycation at Midtown Manhattan's luxurious Kimberly Hotel. Treat yourself to New York City without the crowds, protected by our highest safety and hygiene protocols to keep your family safe. Back to game time as we continue with Miles Turner. I don't know if people know this, and you coach an intramural basketball team at Putnamville Correctional Facility. What was that like for you?
1: It's a very eye-opening experience. Um, That I would say I was a little nervous before I went in there. I never really i've been to I've been to a jail before. I've never been to a prison before. And the very first thing that happened when we got there, the power went out. Like literally, as soon as we got to the facility, the power went out. I'm sitting here thinking, "Oh, what if there's a prison riot? Like, what if, you know, what if, you know, all hell breaks loose? Like, I'm not gonna know what to do because we couldn't bring our phones in there. We didn't have really have any contact with the outside world. So, um, it was interesting because people who, you know, who go into prison, since they're they're damn near forgot about, you know, forgotten about. You know, there's no social media in there. There is no, you know, you would never know about this kind of stuff that happened to me and so many people that were younger than me and they were in there like for life and hearing their stories and like some of the stuff that they did, like, it's like petty crimes and, you know, they're in there for, um, you know, X amount of time. And they grew up just like I did. They had both parents, you know, in their homes. Some of them had scholarships. Some of them, uh, had academic scholarships, you know, some of them came from rich households, poor households, everybody had like their story. Um, but to see people who like came up the same exact way I did, and was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Or just got mixed up, mixed, mixed up with the wrong people. It just made me realize that, like, yo, listen, like, everybody. First of all, everybody deserves a second chance, in my opinion. And second of all, you know, that could have been me. You know, that could have been my sister. That could have been anybody that, that I grew up with. You know, you just at the wrong place at the wrong time, and all these people get judged for you know the decisions that they made to be in that position, and they're totally forgotten about. You like this, like off the face of the earth. Yeah, it's, it was unbelievable, but the coaching experience was second to none. It was awesome to be able to, be, to see the joy in the, you know, of uh, the, the inmates' faces. They was out there hooping. They were just having a good time. Even us just being there made it, you know, worth worth everything, worth all the, the whole while, like win or lose, whoever played, whatever, just us being there, in their presence.
0: You know, Miles, uh, that means a lot. I can feel the passion in your voice. Using your stature to tell their story is is vitally important. So keep it up, and I hope that stays with you uh, the rest of your career. Our thanks to Miles Turner for joining us today and to all of you for watching on Boomer Science. And I'll see you again soon right here on Game Time. You actually would uh, check into a hotel under the alias of Steve Urkel. Uh, Why is that?
1: When I was growing up, and you know in New York, obviously it's a thing, like everybody has nicknames, or whatever. When I was growing up, I had the glasses, I had the braces. You know, I was one of the I was one of the, one of the smarter kids in school. And I had a I have a very deep voice now. It doesn't do any justice to what I was when I was a kid. I had a very, very high-pitched voice when I was growing up. And that was the nickname I got was Urkel. And then when I just remember like just checking in, they asked me what do you want your alias to be? And the first thing that came to mind, I was like, ah, oh, it's Steve Urkel. <laughs>